Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. Welcome to another episode of Millionaire Secrets. This is your host, Jeff Lerner, with you as always. And you know, at the top of every, of every episode, I always say how excited I am because I tend to have really cool, exciting guests. But I need like an upgraded word from excited for this guest. Uh, exhilarated, ecstatic, exuberant, if you will, uh, to be here with somebody that I've uh, actually been a fan of for a long time, probably about as long as I've been online. It's been, it's been a solid decade, and maybe he can correct me on the date if that's not right. But uh, I'm here with Mr. Dave Asprey, the creator of the Bulletproof brand, the brewer of my coffee, the baker of my bars, and uh, the man holding the cup right there. Dave, welcome to Millionaire Secrets. Hey, I'm super happy to be on. Uh, I wish someone had told me the Millionaire Secrets when I was 16. Man, you would have saved me a lot of time. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we, I emphasize physical, personal, and professional excellence. I call them the three Ps. In a lot of my physical excellence focus, I actually got from, from stuff I learned from you. So I don't know that I could have done this when you were 16 because I wasn't as informed. Yeah. Um, but anyway, man, it's, it's super awesome to have you on the show. And, you know, you, you, you and I, I, have, I feel a kinship here because I'm like an entrepreneur and, and in my case, a digital marketer, but I just happen to be really obsessed with health and fitness. And I feel like you're a business guy who's just, you know, and, and I kind of just want to ask, like, and you've taken it way beyond me. I mean, I'm pretty educated about health and fitness for a non-fitness person, but like right. you're next level. How did you get so fixated on this, op, you know, bio-optimization gig that you're, you're into? Well, I used to weigh 300 pounds. <laughs> okay. And uh, I weigh about 200 pounds. It was pure pounds, muscle, so. right? Pure muscle. Uh, yeah, it, Pure muscle, if you mean fat. Uh, so I still have stretch marks from that time. And I was an entrepreneur. I wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was 12. Uh, I worked in Silicon Valley. I was a co-founder of a part of the, the first company or the company that held Google's first server when it was two guys and, and the Hotmail and the Facebook and you know, the, right. the you know, Yahoo. And, and like we basically built the digital infrastructure. I ended up running uh, technology strategy uh, for the company. So if we were going to buy a company, I would go out and say, is this technology worth buying for us or not? I made 6 million bucks when I was 26. I lost it when I was 28. That's part of the millionaire secrets. You got to like be a millionaire and then stay a millionaire, whole different game. <laughs> but what I, uh, what I learned along the way is, okay, I'm fat. Um, I'm starting to get brain fog that is it's affecting my career. I can't remember stuff. I'm, I'm in the most exciting time. I'm doing stuff that is meaningful. I'm teaching classes at the University of California, but like, how are we going to build the internet? What is, what is cloud computing before it has a name? And just all this, this stuff that was like the coolest, just seeing like a whole new life form emerge, you know, a whole new era. And I'm doing that and then just being so tired, I could barely put one foot in front of the other. Like I've got the accelerator pressed all the way to the floor and I'm slowing down and you can't push any further. There's no more room to go. So it wasn't a lack of desire. So I thought, well, maybe it is, you know, maybe it's a, a moral failing. It's a willpower problem or something. So I went through this where I'm externally really successful, but uh, inside I'm like, I'm pushing as hard as, as a human can push. And I went to the doctor. I said, I feel like I've been poisoned. Like, like I, I can't think. And they did some tests. And so, oh, yeah, high risk of stroke and heart attack. I'm like, I'm not 30. I'm going to die like I'm old. And I've had arthritis since I was 14. And I'm a 46-inch waist. And I'm like, what is going on? So clearly, I'm eating too much lettuce. Because everyone I know is eating the Western bacon cheeseburger. And I'm eating the chicken salad with no dressing and no chicken. Right? And I just realized I'm working out 18, uh, for 18 months. I worked out an hour and a half every day religiously, six days a week. I didn't care if I was sick, didn't care if I had a keynote or whatever. I just, I did it. Didn't matter. And that's where I finally just got pissed off. And I said, all right, I'm going to have to become an expert because what I'm doing doesn't work. The doctor looks at me and thinks I'm eating cheesecake and I'm not, right? So I fired my doctor when he told me vitamin C would kill me. And actually they're still saying the same thing today. Uh, at least some of them are. And I went off and I said, I'm going to have to learn it myself. And because I'm a computer hacker, 
because I studied artificial intelligence and distributed systems management, you can treat the body like a black box. You don't have to know what's going on inside a system to change the system. You have to measure inputs and outputs and just do what's necessary. And that became a movement I started called biohacking. It's a new word in the English language. My name is in Miriam Webster's, which is crazy. And what that is, is the art and science of changing the environment around you and inside of you so you have full control of your own biology. And Bulletproof started, and biohacking started, because no one had ever talked to us. The entrepreneurs, the world changers, the you know, software developers, venture capitalists. And so I wrote this blog. It was actually originally called The Bulletproof Executive. And it was, here's, if someone had told me this, when I was 20, it would have saved me at the time $300,000 in biological upgrades that were unnecessary. At this point, I've spent a million bucks on my own biology and continue to do so uh, because I'm looking to go way beyond you know, baseline human. And what, what just really was irritating to me is, is that no one's ever talked to us. So I started this blog saying, look, you actually might not want to look like a balloon animal, you know, a full respect to bodybuilders, but like, I don't really want that look because it's one that's not correlated with longevity and it's a lot of work. And I'd rather put the work into my family and my company, right? So the New York Times calls me almost muscular. I'm like, mission accomplished. <laughs> that, that's what I wanted because that's what makes you live the longest. And that means you, you're in good shape, but you're not over muscled, which actually reduces your lifespan. And if you're under muscled, it reduces your lifespan. So I started optimizing for that kind of a thing. Found out you can raise your IQ. You can change pattern matching in your nervous system. Uh, and you can have more energy than you're supposed to. Uh, you can get more sleep in less time. Uh, which is something I've become very good at. And I've started a biohacking conference and created a movement. And you know, seven years or eight years later, uh, the conference is still going strong. We're doing a virtual one this year. But the idea here is get your hardware working to your three Ps. And when that works, you can do the emotional work that it takes to do in order to be a good entrepreneur. Because an entrepreneur who's physically unhealthy is going to make bad decisions because the electrons that are supposed to be going into your ability to control your emotions go into your expanding waistline. Like it, it's math. <laughs> so, and I'm not saying, you know, fat people are bad people. I was a 300 pounder. What I'm saying is when you're fat, some of your energy is going into biological stuff that should be going into changing the world or managing your company or holding space or grounding yourself or being a, a family member, a community member, whatever is important. And that's why physical stuff matters for entrepreneurs. And that's why you see the CEOs of most big companies. They don't look like fat guys drinking, you know, martinis and smoking cigars anymore because you can't do that work if you look that way, right? And if you do look that way and you're doing that work, I know how you feel because I look that way in my mid-20s. You feel like, good God, I can barely keep up here. My, my head's above water, but man, I'm pushing it. And you're kind of miserable and kind of anxious, right? You're not going to show that to people. You're going to show up in the boardroom. You're going to cross your arms mm -hmm, and you're going to, you know, project power and put on your game face and all that stuff that everyone knows how to do if they've lived in corporate America or they've achieved a degree of success. But we can all tell, not because how you looked, but every human can tell when another human is inauthentic. And so if you're in that room going, you know, I can barely, barely stay on my feet here, but I'm just going to bite my cheek and I'm going to focus. I know that was me. You're going to be able to do that. Uh, but we're, people will know, right? Versus someone who walks in and is like, I'm bursting with energy. I give like 17 shits about this. I am so freaking excited. Like, I want to be here. I want to do this. I'm all in. You can feel that and you cannot fake it, right? And it's that, that degree of authenticity as I am full of energy because I'm full of energy, not because I'm acting full of energy. That's why you have to exercise if you're an entrepreneur, except exercise is maybe 10% of the problem. It's actually food is 90% of it. And that was the lie that had me work out 90 minutes a day, six days a week. Most entrepreneurs I've ever coached, they over-exercise and under-recover. And like, how many times have I coached someone where it's like, oh, I'm going to run the Ironman in Kona. Uh, and I was just in Japan yesterday. I'm flying around the world. I'm going to take my company public this year. And, and I'm like, let me just predict something. You can't get it up. You sleep like shit and you're a zombie all the time. And they're like, how did you know? <laughs> because the professional Ironman athletes actually just exercise and recover. They don't do anything else. A CEO uses as much energy in a typical day as a, a quarterback in the Super Bowl. Like we are cognitively in it. And, and this is why when I started my little blog that I thought five people would read that more than that did, um, 
the first people who read it were Silicon Valley entrepreneurs because I wrote it in language that we would care about. And the second people were Wall Street people. Mm-hmm. And the third people were Hollywood and uh, uh, in the music industry. Uh, and after that, it was uh, just like other general uh, professional sports athletes. Why? Every one of those categories are people who have to have their brains work more than is sane. They have to look good, at least in most of those professions, at least good enough, especially as you're an actor, and they have physical demands, right? So these are the worst and hardest jobs. We have circadian disruption because you're flying all over the place, right? You have constant demands for your attention and your brain's ability to act like a muscle is very strong, right? And, and they're the ones who said, you know, yeah, I'm drinking my, my Bulletproof coffee because it worked. And like Ed Sheeran's on the red carpet talking about this, saying, I just had my Bulletproof coffee. I'm like, did that just happen? Like I saw that on Extra and, and Shailene Woodley and Jimmy Fallon are talking about it and Jim Carrey licks it off the desk when he spills it during an interview. And I'm like, I've never met these people. I didn't pay them a nickel. I, I couldn't pay them to do that. Um, they just did it because like I got my brain back. And entrepreneurs everywhere who don't have their physical stuff together, they are suffering, right? And when you suffer, your company, it's an energetic reflection of you. And, and this goes back to, you know, the meditation with the masters in Tibet that I've done and, you know, a lot of the personal development stuff I do uh, at the neuroscience company I started called 40 Years of Zen. So we, we bring executives in for five days of intense work with electrodes on their head to show them what's going on and let them you know, reprogram and upgrade cognitive function and electrons in the brain and stuff like that. But what you hear after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people like that is that there's a lot of people going, man, I, I can barely keep it together. But when you get it to the point where there's a sense of effortlessness and a sense of extra energy, and you walk into your office or you dial into your office, as the case may be, and people feel it. They're like, oh my God. And all of a sudden, the stuff that was wobbly in your company, it stops wobbling, right? And the culture of your company reflects how you feel when you wake up in the morning. And if you wake up zombified and stressed, I can't tell you how. This is that weird, you know, meditation land but it's there. And any experienced entrepreneur tells you, man, when, I got, when, when everything's working in, in my, myself, on, I've just got the right vibe, I'm unstoppable and my company is unstoppable. And then when I'm completely you know, scrambled, it doesn't matter if we're doing the right things. It just doesn't work right. And, and it's that thing they don't teach you at business school. I went to Wharton, got my MBA there. They don't teach that. They don't teach the spiritual side of being an entrepreneur. Get your physical hardware working, get your emotions in order, and you handle that and your company is just this amazing machine. And if you don't do those two things, your company wobbles around. You might succeed, you might not succeed. And even if you do succeed, you'll be unhappy. I mean, I'm so elated right now. Like I'm on cloud 10 because A, Dave Asprey just used the term, the three Ps. And I'm grateful for that. And I might change my cell phone ring to be like Dave Asprey going, the three piece, the three piece. The three piece. No, that, that's way too over the top. I would never do something that crazy. But I'm so elated right now because you're validating what I feel like I like bleed out my eyes to tell people, which is like you can't be a really thriving and vibrant business owner if you don't have your physical and you talk about your emotional, and I love that you're so much dealing with the intersection of the physical and the emotional or the physical and the personal, which is like emotions are just neurons, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get that stuff together. You can't go lead a thriving organization. And I would argue, and you know, for my particular audience who's listening to this, especially for digital marketers, you know, most of my world are people that, especially now post-COVID, they're like, man, I got to get a side hustle going. I got to leverage this internet thing, this whole digital new economy thing. Like, you know, cause I don't think I'm going to be able to retire with the road that I'm on in my job. I mean, that's kind of my avatar. And I'm always like, listen, we do extraordinary things. We make high demands on ourselves. And especially in digital marketing where everything is two dimensional and everything is projected through a screen. If you don't have great energy and you don't have great physiology and you don't like vibrate at a really, really high level, your business, because your business is just, all your business is, is basically an extension of you when you're a digital marketer or, you know, yep. and so I, I just think this is such a beautiful message. I'm, I'm literally probably going to like bake it into my core training of like, cool. listen to this from the creator of Bulletproof, essentially telling you that like, it's kind of the same thing Jeff says, only it probably has more gravitas because 
he's in Whole Foods and I'm not like- I have, I have a better camera, that's all it is. Anyway. You do, you have a better camera, you have a better <laughs> microphone, you know, you have a, all this good stuff. But no, I mean, I'm just so grateful that like, you know, you could have come on and said something else and I would have been like, oh crap, I guess I was wrong about all the things I believe, but I feel like you actually well, did there, the opposite and I'm going, yes! <laughs> there's something else for digital marketers uh, that, that goes deeper. If you're good at writing copy, and I'm gonna say, I think I'm pretty good at it, just given the success I've had, you know, 200 million downloads on Bulletproof Radio, um, mm -hmm. you know, all, all that stuff. So I, I'm just gonna say, I, I'm gonna give myself at least an eight out of 10. <laughs> um, just just uh, without trying to, you know, be egotistical about that. Um, when, you, when you write something, if you're not stuffing your face full of potato chips and diet soda and energy drinks and all those things, if your body is running clean, your ability to sense the emotion in your words is much higher. If you meditate, your ability to sense that is. The reason I can do what I do is I spent four months with electrodes on my head going through and getting rid of garbage pattern matching that I had in my nervous system about trauma, about being bullied you know, about all sorts of things where like, oh, you're feeling anxiety or you're feeling this, you know, this thing's against you or all the weird things that seem to be true that we actually don't have any evidence are true. So basically getting out of my own way, erasing garbage beliefs that were not based in reality. They're just based in what I thought was real. By the way, this is the human condition. Everyone does this. Everyone has this um, if you're alive. So what happens then is, okay, you get this stuff out of your way and you can write better. So when I sit down to write something, I look at every single word as if I'm doing the 40 years in neurofeedback and I can feel what a word does in my chest. I can feel all the firewall types of resistance that we have and everyone you're writing copy for has a firewall running and some of it they have consciously developed but 99% of it was developed by teachers and their parents and early childhood experiences. So you can pick a word, right? And if you are a really good digital marketer, you know what firewall rules that's going to trip. And, you, and when you see a, a professional diver, uh, like in the Olympics, they dive into the water and there's no splash. When your words are well-written, it enters someone's consciousness without a splash. Right. And if the words themselves have bad content, they won't enter without a splash because that's why people have all these automated systems to keep garbage out of their heads. They don't work very well, but they have them. And if your words are worthy and you choose words that are non-triggering, you'll find that people read it and go, oh, those are real instead of, oh, those are fake digital marketing garbage, delete, check the spam filter box. Right. And that is the hardest part of doing this, but you cannot do that unless you have the cultivated ability to feel your nervous system at a subtle level, which can come from technology, can come from ancient practice, can come from breathing exercises, from meditation, from heart rate variability training, all the core biohacking technologies I talk about to just get better instrumentation of your body. So your body is the measurement system for the words you write. And when you do that, you're like, oh, that doesn't work. And it's surprising to me. So I, that's how I developed the, the Bulletproof name. That's how I developed the taglines, all the product names. And it's funny, Jay Abraham, who's a, a dear friend, and uh, has he ever been on your show? Is he a, a known uh, entity? No, we're audience? actually in talks with his team right now. So cross you, your You should have him on. He's, he's a dear friend and a mentor. And he's written uh, uh, countless books, you know, the kind of books you spend $1,000 for and you're yeah, glad yeah. you did. He's, he's, the, he's a godfather, one of the godfathers. He, he is. I used one of his $1,200 books when I was starting Bulletproof because I'm like, God, this is just so, every page is just full of this stuff that I, I didn't think to do that. I didn't think to do that. So I, I talked to Jay at least every couple of weeks uh, and he's, he's been an advisor for quite a while and, uh, um, and uh, just a good friend. What, uh, what Jay said, he said, Dave, um, you are the best person I've met at naming in the last 20 years. Like, can I have a few friends call you to name their things? Right. And, uh, you know, I helped uh, Neil Strauss name his podcast and things like that. Why? I, I didn't train in naming. I don't have a degree in marketing. Like, like what the hell? It's because when, when someone says a name to me, I don't pay any attention to what I think about it. None. I just go, how does it hit right here? How, how does it land? And then you think about it. And this is the trick. Every line in that email you send, everything on your squeeze page, everything on your label, it had better land emotionally first 
and then cognitively. And most people write all of their digital content cognitively first and they either ignore or deprecate the emotional impact of it. And it's, it's done backwards. So when you, when you do that, you can't do it unless you have the wiring to feel the words. And most of us, especially men, especially entrepreneurial scrappy men, many of whom have dealt with bullying, which is why they're scrappy <laughs> or just bad parenting. Right here. Um, right now, I was bullied a lot. Uh, and what ends up happening there is you kind of turn off or dim that and the best copywriters feel the words, then they think about the words. So for digital marketers, potato chips and diet Coke and bad fats stop you from being able to feel the words. So then you cannot do this. And that's why the physical side becomes the digital side. That makes sense. It makes a beautiful amount of sense. It is so interesting to me that you're talking about this. I, I made a note earlier. Where was it about a live that I'm going to do later. I'm reading a book, right? Sorry. I'm just, this is my show. I can talk about whatever I want. I'm kind of veering us uncharted here, but um, so I actually uh, made a note on my calendar about my Facebook live that I'm going to do later. That's going to be about the six senses and I'm reading a book right now called uh, the Re in the realm of hungry ghosts by Gabor Mate. Oh yeah. Gabor lives over in Vancouver, not far from where I am. And the hungry ghost is a Buddhist concept. Um, one that I learned about actually uh, at a Buddhist monastery uh, when I was uh, uh, over there in Nepal and Tibet studying. Uh, I think a lot of digital marketers have this Jeff, the, the, the hungry ghosts thing. Oh, totally. I mean, it's, it's landing hard with me. Food has always been, my biggest struggle, it's my numbing agent of choice, you know? And what, what I was gonna do the live about was about how your ability to properly feel and interpret your own emotions is just as important a sense as being able to see a color and identify the color or being able to touch a stove and detect that it's hot. Like, if you don't have that, uh, you know, ability to properly sort sense uh, emotional data, um, then you're, you're incapable of really effective decision-making and certainly effective leadership in the world because you can't, you can't feel what other people, you can't read other people, first of all, and you can't even direct yourself. And so I was going to sort of do a whole live about that, but it feels like that's exactly what you're saying is like, I, I think we live in a world now we live in, particularly in, in a country and, and admittedly, I don't have a, you know, visceral experience of other countries, but I get the sense that as things get westernized, this kind of becomes the pattern is that we really aren't very good at feeling. And to your point, if you can't feel, you can't really sell. Well, there's, there's such well, a, or rich... you have to get lucky to, to sell. Yeah, there you go. You can be lucky to sell. And there's, there's a rich tapestry of feelings and, and, what happens, and, and this is part of what, what I teach at, at 40 Years of Zen, is that there's a hierarchy of feelings. And the one that's actually the, the least useful uh, and probably the, the lowest vibration, if you believe in vibration as a metric, is apathy, right? So when you're like defeated, you're like, I just don't give a crap anymore. Like I'm, I'm done, right? And, and this, that's the furthest away from you know, joy and happiness, right? But then you peel that away, you're like, oh, then I've got um, anger uh, or shame, right? And then I've got um, fear, right? And then after that, once you work through all those things, then you have happiness or joy, which is always there at the middle of kind of the Russian nesting doll. So a lot of the times people are stuck either in apathy or in anger, right? So I'm pissed off. That person says something I don't like, therefore they're a bad person. You're like, I thought we lived in a country where we had uh, free speech and anyone was allowed to say something you didn't, you didn't agree with. And it didn't mean they're a bad person. It just means you didn't agree. And it's like, we've lost that because people are just too triggered and too fearful and angry. And when you have that going on as a, as a digital marketer, like that's not a good place to be because you're not going to get to that middle nugget where like, oh, this is how happiness, this is what happiness feels like. This is how I turn it on, right? Here's how I work my way through these other emotions so that then when you sit down and you write copy for someone, you can say, this product brings you this feeling. But if you don't know the feeling and you don't know the nuances of it and you can't help them get through whatever their fear is or their anger is, 
anyone who's studied the art of copywriting understands very viscerally. Wait, are you addressing fears? Are you addressing anger as you do this? Are you chipping away at those things so you can get through the armor and the firewalls to get to the joy that's in the middle so that they'll associate that with what you're doing? You are. But if you haven't done that work yourself, you're not going to be able to navigate them very well in your writing, in your videos, and all the other stuff you do. That's why you have to do the work. The other reason you have to do the work, and the reason that I started that ridiculous neuroscience thing, is that if you've done the work, you will find very clearly that it is unethical and it feels bad to sell garbage as if it's good. And at Wharton, they taught me this. They said, hey, here's a mathematical study. They love math at that school. Um, where we can show it's cheaper to spend a dollar on marketing to tell someone that your product is good than it is to make the product good. Therefore, you should spend more money on marketing and less money on product. And if you pay attention to what I've done at Bulletproof, oh yeah, <laughs> like there's a priority. There's actually an order of operations. Like number one, how are you going to feel after you eat or drink something I make. That's what I care about most. And number two, how does it taste? Because no one's gonna do things that taste bad forever. That's why kale is just a bad bet. Kale's gross. And then the, the third thing I care about is convenience because I think your time and energy are worth something to you, right? And the fourth thing is what's the impact on the world? Because I feel like most people are willing to spend an extra cent or two if we can have less of an impact on the world that's negative and a, more of a positive one. And then how much does it cost? So are you going to spend 10 or 20% more to get all those benefits? Yes. And if not, you're not my customer and that's okay. But that's not what they teach you. But you can't turn that on its head and say, I'm going to sell hydrogenated fat, you know, corn syrup, corn oil, soybean oil, and some food coloring uh, as kids food right? I'm, I'm just going to go do that. No, if you have consciousness, you can't because it's wrong, right? And so if you're in digital marketing, like either you're an entrepreneur because you're solving a problem that hasn't been solved before doing it better, or you're a entrepreneur because you stole someone else's content, you stole someone else's idea, you did a crappier job of it, and you're going to use some digital marketing, go live on an island for a little bit of money. And if you're one of those people, you should just like go bury yourself underwater until you drowned, or you should do your personal development work to realize you don't have to do that to make money. You can actually make money without stealing you can make money by giving back to the world. And digital marketers learn with data and science and stuff like what you teach, how to get past people's resistance to get them to do things. If you use that power for darkness to get people to buy crap that's bad for them, to get people to do things that's against their best interest or the world's best interest, like, I'm sorry, you're going to hell, whatever your version of hell is. So do the personal development work, figure out, wait, that's not okay. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to use this power as a digital marketer to go do something that matters. You're going to get paid either way. Like, like it's free. <laughs> so go do that. That would be my biggest ask. Well, and I think that the world we live in now, it's become, it's gratefully, thankfully, as one of the, you know, I, a friend of mine once said, because he and I were both kind of like, I guess what you would call ethically oriented digital marketers. Yeah. It's like, dude, we're the best of the worst, but you know, that has to be enough because it's like, it's like what you're saying. And so great. I'm so glad that I do think the world is changing, you know, as, as uh, feedback is more, there's just, it, there seems to be like a crowdsourced feedback mechanism for everything, whether you're a pizza parlor or you're a digital marketer mm -hmm. or you're a guy running Facebook ads, like there's a consequence now to being skeezy. Um, you can't, what you're saying isn't just like an ethical suggestion. It's actually like a, almost becoming a commercial requirement. You can't be a, a huckster for, for any length of time. You might be oh, able sure to do you can. it now. I mean, let, let, let's not, Wait, let's okay, not, okay. you think you can't. Let's not drink our own Kool-Aid too much here. Okay. Anyone listening to this with half a technical bone in their body can fully make hidden landing pages with changing URLs. You can make a brand instantiate like that. You can sell a bunch of crap you never deliver, turn it off and disappear. There's 14 books on Amazon that say they're called the Bulletproof Diet right now by anonymous authors. Amazon won't tell me who they are. They're using my registered trademark. And one of the guys has made more than $100,000 by stealing and actually cheapening what I do because what's in his book is wrong, right? Okay. But that stuff happens. But, but isn't why that would you do that? Harder? I mean, because really no. he has bad reviews. Doesn't seem to matter, 
right? Yeah. And besides, you want reviews on Amazon? We all know how you can buy those, right? It was going to cost you, you go to Fiverr. <laughs> but deal, here's the deal I though. I, mean, it, I, I run, you know, I have, I have the network of ad managers and traffic, you know, lead generation experts. And some sure. of them are black hat and some of them are white hat. Some of them are gray hat. And the reality is the black hatters lives are getting harder. The hidden URLs, yeah. the cloaked domains, Facebook's onto them faster. The AI yeah. is smarter. They get shut down more rapidly. It's to me, it becomes like a Pyrrhic victory to even try to live that way. Because let, let me miserable. ask this though, the black hat guys, you know, how many of them look like shit? Oh, they're, they're, they have a darkness in not only their hat. <laughs> exactly. They, yeah. they, they physically are unhealthy. The vast majority of them. And there's a few of them I exercise all the time, or whatever, but that's the exception, not the norm. They're not happy people. And right? they're not like, they're not blissfully married. They're not raising no. great kids. Yeah. yeah. They're chaos monkeys. Right. So like, that's what happens. So you're listening to this like, okay, how, what do I want my life to look like? Right? Do you want to, do you want to tell your kids and your neighbors what you do? Right. <laughs> like, that's a pretty good measure. Or would what you're doing, would you be comfortable with it being on the front page of the New York times? And if not, then stop doing it. it it's that easy. And you could be saying, well, yeah, but how am I going to make a living? That is fear, right? The way you're going to make a living is you're going to sell stuff that works, right? You're going to sell stuff that's fairly priced, you know, where your ROAS is where it needs to be, where your margins are where they need to be. You get 90% margins on it. That's great, right? Sell something that's worthwhile. And if we did that immediately, if you went to Amazon, instead of it looking like a garage sale, which is what Amazon has turned into, unfortunately, right? Or maybe not a garage sale, uh, but more like a, a flea market. Where there's all kinds of stuff I can't tell if it's good or not anymore. Right. You go back 10 years, everything on Amazon I was like, wow, I could buy what I buy at the store. And now I'm like, I, I don't know what to order because there's all these weird brands that are pop-up brands, but everything I order falls apart, right? And so who's making that stuff? Like who's selling that stuff? And I will just tell you, if you're in digital marketing and you make the stuff that doesn't fall apart, the stuff that's worth it, the stuff that costs more, and you just straight up, hey, it costs more because it's worth it. It's going to last twice as long you might not sell as much as the, the whatever the cheapest crap out there is. You will sell a lot and you'll make a difference and those people will come back over and over and over because that's actually what people want. And they'll be and so lying and selling doesn't work. Yeah, it's a yeah. better quality customer. Refunds and chargebacks will be fewer. Ironically, yeah. you charge more, you get fewer refund requests. Right. It, but so, man, we are like, I had no idea where this conversation was going to go. Frankly, I, I I've never talked to you before. I love the fact that you're a baller marketer and we can kind of geek out on some marketing stuff. But well, with, with you have overlap. to be like, it, if you want to change the world in any way, you have to have either the ability to do marketing or to hire badass marketers. Because I guarantee you some of the people listening to this right now, some of the people in your program are inventors and creators. I'm actually more of that. Like my job is to create the future. What I really do is I evangelize and I make cool stuff that no one else has figured out how to make before, right? And I've done it in multiple companies. I have my circadian glasses, a lot of people use them for sleep called True Dark. Um, I wrote the patent myself, right? But I grew up in Silicon Valley where you see the inventors and 95% of the time, the cool best stuff never sees the light of day and garbage comes out because marketers sell stuff that's kind of okay, right? So if you're going, if you're, if you're one of the inventors, the creators who's listening to this, like, all right, your job, if you create something is to put it in people's hands because creating something that no one uses, it's masturbation. Nothing happens when you do that. And there's so many crazy inventors sitting on gold mines of technology for upgrading humanity and all these cool things. And I get to talk to them and they're like, mine, all mine. And they'll never sell it. Cause if you're a creator, you probably aren't a marketer. So then you partner with a digital marketer. You learn from this kind of training and then you're saying, I don't want to do that. I want to create the next big thing. So you bring in a digital marketing partner, whether it's an agency or a business partner, and then you know enough to make sure that your baby, your invention comes into the world. And for people who are saying, but I'm a marketer, I'm an operator. I don't know how to make cool stuff. That's okay. There's hundreds of cool things laying around everywhere that you can sell if you just package them up right that actually are good. And it's that that melding of the art of good marketing and the art of making stuff that matters. That's good. I just happen to have enough marketing uh, to be, to be good at it. But really my core value is I could hire people who are better at marketing than me. I'm just going to handle naming, 
messaging, evangelism, and creation and everything else. I truly don't really care about Roaz. I just have to know because I'm a CEO of a large, well, I was CEO of a large company. Now I'm CEO of four small companies. <laughs> well, I hope everybody's hearing this because I'm always, I'm always evangelizing that like marketing is the like non-fungible skill set of prosperity in the modern world. Like everything else, you know, products come and go. I mean, I would say marketing and like the development of your own personal brand. Like if you, if you nail those two things, it's like Dave Asprey. I mean, you can apply yourself to sleep glasses. You can apply yourself. I have your sleep induction mat. Like, Oh, that thing's cool. Before Dave Asprey, the words sleep induction mat were gibberish. It was like three words that didn't go together. Now right. it's a thing, but it's a thing because of you. And I, bu- I bought it and believed it because of you, not because of like the spiky mat landed with me somehow. And so, you know, I hope everybody's hearing this because especially in the, in the post-COVID world, where I think, you know, those, those lower level emotions that you're talking about have really ratcheted up, it's, it's a lack of core competencies that are present and future relevant in the world. I think everybody's kind of scared. A lot of people, not everybody, a lot of people are scared because their core competency is something that was more valuable 20 years ago than it is today. Marketing uh, and brand yeah. development are the core competencies that are only getting more valuable as the economy goes digital. It, this is a tough one because you you ought to develop your own personal brand if you want that. And so what I did is I developed the Bulletproof brand where it stands on its own. And I've done, you know, those things where you have two-way mirrors and you get to look at people and they're seeing your product and all. And right. it's illuminating because some people are like, oh yeah, you know, I listen to Dave's podcast. He's great. And, and I remember this one guy's like, I'm pretty sure that guy invented keto. Right. But like, no, I didn't invent keto. I just popularized keto. Keto was invented, you know, the year I was born probably by, by Atkins. And before that, there was a, another generation. So um, that said, you realize there's a bunch of people who know the brand who don't know me. And I will tell you, if you put all of your money into your own brand, you're, you're going to get screwed. Right. And okay. here's why. If you really want to make money, you're not going to make money in digital marketing. You're going to make money selling your company. <laughs> And those are the big bucks. This is the, you can buy a yacht or have a house in multiple countries kind of money, right? You're like, yeah, this is great. I'm doing a million dollars a year. There's a lot of companies do a million dollars a year. You know how many companies do a hundred million dollars a year in revenue? About 17,000 in the US, right? So maybe you can get there someday, but even then, how much are you going to get paid, right? By the time you raise enough money, do enough things, you'll be making a pretty good salary, but probably not world changing, Right. And then when you get a company that's a certain size, even if you're doing 5 million a year in revenue, you sell that company for a 4X multiple, you just put $20 million in your pocket. You don't have to work again ever. Right. So if your name is tied to your company, you cannot exit. You can't do that. So what you want to do is you want to build your brand and you want to build your company brand so that there's an association. And the master of this is Richard Branson, right? right. You got Virgin Records. Uh, records, what are records? You have to be like over 35 to know about that. Um, and uh, you've got, you know, Virgin Atlantic and Virgin Space and Virgin, probably Virgin Breakfast Sandwiches somewhere. I have no idea. But that works. And you can do the same thing. Elon Musk, you know, oh, it's SpaceX. Oh, and Tesla, right? So we, we have examples of that at the very big end. Um, at the low end, you know, some of the things I do, some people don't know that I started and I run 40 years of Zen. And some people do. And some people, most people know I started Bulletproof, but they know it stands for something. So I would tell anyone who's doing this, your brand is something you can use to put a spark behind the brands you build as a digital marketer. But find a cool name for what you're building and understand if you do it right, you can take that company and you can have investors in that company. You can sell that company. But if it's you and you get hit by a bus or you know, someone does a deep fake of you doing something and whatever, like, like people, they, there's crazy stuff happening right now. And I think you want to have an iron in both fires would be my, my strongest piece of advice for long-term wealth creation as an entrepreneur. Well, thank you for validating my strategy of building Jeff Lerner's social brand and Entre Institute as a standalone brand um, that's trying to disrupt yeah. education, business That's education. what you've got to do. You, yeah. you nailed it. Otherwise... Um, you're really putting yourself at big risk. And entrepreneurs, man, we love risk, right? So you make a million bucks 
Uh, and I can say that really casually, right? Because everyone who's listening has made a million bucks, right? Of course. Has anybody <laughs> but, not made a million dollars? I mean, geez. <laughs> but but it, it's like you make a million bucks and everyone here wants to is why I'm saying that. And what you're most likely to do is say, this is great. Now I have a little bit of extra money. I'm just going to take, you know, 50 grand and invest it in this risky venture and take 50 grand in this risky adventure. And I did that in my 20s or when I lost my $6 million, right? Um, and the reason you do that is because that's how you make money. But what you find out is how you keep money is totally different. Just like if you hired a bunch of people just like you, you wouldn't have a good company. You need to hire people with complementary skill sets. Sure. So that's something else that, that's worth talking about. As you become more successful, the way you stay successful is via that portfolio management sort of thing. And you hire someone who's more conservative than you to help you manage a bucket of cash that's not in your business and start another business, invest or something. But a lot of people go from zero to a million back to zero and they bounce around like I did when I was younger because you didn't realize that the way you keep it isn't how you do it. There's a book called Beyond a Million. Um, by a guy named Jim Dew that talks about that. But for people in digital marketing, it's not that hard to build a company that does a quarter million dollars a year in revenue and throws off more than you would have made in your last job. It's, it, it's still yeah. hard, but it's not that hard, right? And once you get up there, you're like, whoa, wait, everything is shifting around. All of a sudden I have you know, some extra cash and I'm hoping you're not dumb enough to go out and you know, buy a, a Lamborghini with your first windfall. That's not what you're supposed to do but that, that diversification into different brands, to different companies, and to take some risk off the table so that you can take care of yourself and your family creates a feeling of safety. A feeling of safety creates better ability to feel your emotions, which equals better ability to write copy. Like it, it all ties together. Well, I, a few golden nuggets in what you just said. Uh, first of all, I love the idea that you should never let, and you didn't say it explicitly this way, but it's what I took. You should never let anybody have any access or input or influence over your money who's not more conservative than you. Even, even, even being the same level, like for me, even if somebody's only as conservative as me, that's probably bad input. I need people that are more conservative with me to have any in, influence over my money. That was one takeaway. I, I have a question. I, I, I think that's putting words in my mouth a little bit. Oh, you you just so? need risk buckets, right? So like I, I'm a, a partner in a company called Waldenbridge. It's a, it's a crypto hedge fund. I wanted access to crypto. I don't have time to trade crypto. In fact, no one listening to this, unless you're in a startup that does crypto actually has time to do this. So now I've got whatever, nine guys who are young and hungry and smart with finance backgrounds doing whatever I'm doing in, in crypto, right? So I save time and energy, but is their risk tolerance different than mine and maybe even more risk? Yeah, but I only gave them some amount of money. Right, so that, that's an investment strategy. Okay. So I have sure. buckets. So what I would tell you is let the net risk for all of your stuff be less risky than you are. But if you take half of your, uh, of your cash flow this year, that's your cash flow that you don't need for growth, and you work with a wealth manager who isn't gonna try and steal it like a lot of them do, and then you say, all right, you know, I, I want something that isn't gonna go down and might go up a little bit, that is so freeing compared to where, where you normally sit, which is on a roller coaster, right? And, and that's what I'm saying. So it doesn't have to be all of it. And if you take away all of your, uh, your risk, you'll actually be unhappy because you rely on dopamine. You're a marketer. <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said. So <laughs> speaking of, let me ask you then to kind of go back to one thing you said that uh, it, was, it was hugely important to me. I, I don't know if it's important to everybody else, but like I said, it's my show. Um, when you were talking about uh, personal brand versus building an exitable company, exitable brand. Um, you know, I look at you and I was, so I was living in New York City in 2009 when I started reading Bulletproof Executive. I was living in a, in a building with a bunch of like VC, hedge fund, private equity, trader type of guys and everybody read your blog. And it was, <laughs> I, no would that be right? Them before. <laughs> yeah, it was bulletproofexecutive.com yeah. in 2009, right? Uh -huh. Or 2010, yeah. Okay, so I, I was reading that. That's when I got, you know, tuned into all this. And I would argue that I fell in love with Dave Asprey before I fell in love with Bulletproof or before I even really identified Bulletproof as a brand, not just a concept yeah. or a product. And I think that, you know, you look at Steve Jobs and Apple. I mean, Tim Cook can run Apple. Tim Cook, I don't think he could have built Apple. It needed no Steve Jobs yeah. so that you would fall in love with the ideology and, and so on and so forth. So, what I look at is, and you know, like you have, like, let's say Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad companies. I mean, they've kind of 
there's a little bit of a fork of, of a split, but it, it, to me, especially as an upstart marketer who doesn't have a big budget, you're not venture backed. Like people fall in love with people. And so start yeah. there. But, but as you're saying, start with the end in mind. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like it's okay to lean personal brand at first, it, but have it is at, at first. And especially um, people under maybe 35, they care about who runs a company. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, it can also be very judgmental and mercurial, right? Where it's like, you know, you're a cool kid. You're not a cool kid. And, and you're like, yeah, they're going to, they're going to cancel you now. They don't like um, you. Apparently, you know, apparently it happens, right? Um, no matter how, you know, how dirty or clean you are, it's a risk, right? And there's PR crisis management things and stuff like that. I'll just tell you as entrepreneurs, if you're ever faced with something like that, it always feels like you're going to die. It's because you're identifying yourself with your company and it's never as bad as you think. Um, I had I had Joe Rogan came after me hard. I don't know if you remember that, if you're a yeah. longtime follower. Oh, yeah. One of his friends, um, and he was an investor in a competitor that was trying to steal my brand. So it went overnight from like Bulletproof Coffee changed my brain. It's like, Dave Asprey's a bad man. You should go like shit on his social media. And man, that really, that, that rocked me uh, for a while. So stuff like that can happen. And it feels bad when it happens. But in end of the day, at least they're talking about you. <laughs> oh, yeah. All attention is a win, right? I mean, that's what exactly. Grant Cardone says. Like obscurity is the ultimate death, right? Yep. So like that, it turns out every time he criticized me, I sold more coffee at the end of the day, but it felt really bad. So there will be times as, as you grow a digital marketing or any other kind of company where, you know, someone's threatening to say something that isn't even true and like, you know, pay me and like these blackmail situations happen substantially. The more successful you are, the more you get envious people who are just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a PCU. Uh, and generally the ability to feel peace and calm in those environments only comes from doing the personal development work that makes you a good entrepreneur anyway. So, you know, learning how to weather those storms, those are a part of being successful. Um, you, you know, the, the, bigger, the bigger you go, the more you see people who are like, I want my piece of that, even if I didn't earn it. So it's an interesting scenario, but you've got to learn how to cultivate peace no matter what's going on around you. I, yeah, I just I, interviewed Jay Shetty on my show. And one of the things he says, he said, there's a reason monks don't learn how to be a monk at a strip club. <laughs> He's like, you couldn't do it. How would you want to meditate when there's stuff shaking in front of you? He didn't quite put it in those words, but you know, that's why you do your work as you go along as a marketer. Otherwise, when the fit hits the shan, uh, you're, uh, you're in trouble. Oh, and by the way, uh, I did not plan this. Uh, that's natural. But that is the, um, the theme for the biohacking conference October 10th is called, you know, how to stay calm when the fit hits the shan. Uh, and I've got a, a bunch of people coming in. Uh, so if you go to DaveAsprey.com, there's info on this uh, one day biohacking conference. Everyone there is like, how do you build human resilience? My belief has always been that entrepreneurs are the ones who need resilience the most. Because if you're a pro athlete, like you play the game and you rested. If you're an athlete, like I played the game and there was another one and another one and another one. And I thought about it and I went to sleep and like you're always able to do more and you want to do more. So we're the ones who need resilience the most. And that's why it's going into its eighth yep. year as a conference. So uh, yeah, the virtual biohacking conference is worth is worth trouble. Is worth trouble. It's worth your time and attention um, because it'll keep you out of trouble that happens when you just get ground down as an entrepreneur just by working too hard. Yeah, I I can't say enough how much my experience with you know personal development showing up in a direct, quantifiable, and huge. Uh, bottom line way in your business. Um, you know, I, people always say, it's like, I, I figured out how to make seven figures being reasonably dysfunctional, but I never broke through to eight or multiple or beyond uh, in, in, until I did about 10,000 hours of cognitive restructuring and just deep personal therapy. Yeah. For real. It, it's a cost of doing business. What will happen is, is the invisible things that probably are injecting garbage into your copy that you don't know about are the same things that make you hire the wrong people and look, if someone makes a mistake when you're doing 100,000 a year, okay, you lost 5,000 or $10,000. You're doing 50 million a year. And that same mistake gets made because you didn't have good discernment in your hiring practices, your management practices. That was a $5 million mistake. You know, $10 million mistake. It, it can be a really big thing. So you learn, you know, over time, but you're not going to just magically pick it up unless you do the hard work with coaches and therapists and, you know, personal development. And it's a it's a poor message because what I heard in my twenties was you know go out be an entrepreneur you know make a lot of money and you know you can win and you know money well your business is a game and you keep score with money and all this kind of stuff no it, it's none of that stuff 
so you, you kind of flush that, you know, like, how do I make a big difference? How do I run my business so it's profitable and it generates more cash than it consumes? And how do I do that more? And if you do that and have time for your family or your hobbies or your community and feel peace at the end of the day, you're doing it right. And if you don't have any of those things, you're doing it wrong and that's okay. Do it wrong for a little while. You know, hit the next goal, be where you are. But if you're gonna do that for six years or five years or 10 years, you don't get those years back, yeah. right? And, and that, that's what they don't teach that's important. And on October 10th, 2020, you can go to Dave Asprey's virtual biohacking conference and you're gonna get a big Jump start on exactly what you're talking about, Dave. There, that was my that was my plug for you. Nice, thanks. Uh, hey, listen. In respect of time, I know that you've got another meeting coming up. Uh, how can people, as if they don't already know, how can people get deeper into your world? Well, you go to daveasprey.com/slash/uncensored and sign up for my email list. And I'm going to ask you guys to do that for the simple reason, and I think you might know this because you're in digital marketing, the algorithms of censorship are running deep right now. And when I write about stuff that actually works. Half the time now, if I put it on social, it just gets shadow banned because the stuff that works, whether we're talking about you know, various inflammatory conditions, uh, we're talking about even cognitive enhancement, especially on Google, you will never see it. But when I email to you, you actually do get to see it. So I've started sending out stuff that I do not post because email is one of the last uncensored mediums that you can, you can follow. So daveasprey.com slash uncensored, sign up. I'll send you, you'll hear about my podcast and stuff, but you hear about stuff that I cannot write on social anymore that's actually useful. Huh, wow. And we put together a special offer for listeners of this episode. If you go to millionairesecrets.com forward slash Dave A, you can download a free copy of The Millionaire Shortcut, which is our digital book on the fastest way to become a millionaire in the new economy. Dave, what can I say? Like I started with uh, elated, exuberant, ecstatic, all those words. And it's, uh, it's been nothing but, man. Thank you. Nice. Jeff, thanks for having me on. Uh, everyone listening, look, digital marketing, you have great power to change many people's lives because you are playing with consciousness with what you do. Do something good. <laughs> My biggest ask for you, do something good. Have an awesome day. Amen. Thank you, Dave. You just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entre Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks. Head over to www.entrenation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.